Ayers on the Road, value-based parenting and life balance ideas from world-traveling family coaches. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. And hi, we're back on the snowy roads in Utah, at least where we live. We're up in the mountains. And it's a wonderful snowy day, and we're thinking of Christmas like so many of you are. And uh, when we woke up this morning, I mean, it's been interesting, Linda. We've, we've had sort of a structured topics on Ayers on the Road because we've been doing these 10, which turned into 11 tips on marriage. Uh, but those ended last week. We invite any of you that want to go back and listen to them. But we woke up this morning and we looked at each other and said, what should we do on Ayers on the Road today? And, and you said, let's do Christmas. And so <laughs> we're doing Christmas. But I'm not exactly sure what you meant, and you're not exactly sure what I meant. So um, Christmas is a bit of a broad subject <laughs> right now. What came to my mind was, I'll wait, what came to your mind? When, when, when you think of Christmas... What's the first thing that comes to your mind? Well, we've been dealing with a lot of grandchildren. Suddenly, uh, half of our grandchildren have moved back near us, which is so fabulous. And um, they've been so cute. Um, We've talked about this through the years so much that we've really had them, had our, on our kids, we concentrated on them worrying about giving and not so much getting. Well, okay, so let's so that's what came to your mind. So let's focus on that for a little while, and then I'll reveal in a minute what comes to my mind when I think of Christmas. It tells you a lot about yourself, I guess. But what do you? I mean, Linda, you're really saying you really think it's possible to get little kids who have stars in their eyes and Santa Claus and everything. You really think it's possible to get them to think of anything but getting? Come on, they're writing their letters, they're telling what they want, they're making their lists. And, and that's it, it twice. It's so <laughs> important. It really is. Of course, it's a magical time when they get stuff. But it it is so fun to see the stars in their eyes when they earn a little bit of money and then go shopping and buy something for a sibling or a friend or a parent. It really is so fun. I think it's the very best part of Christmas. And I think that uh, the kids kind of think that too because they get so excited uh, to think, first of all, what would so-and-so need? What would their brother need? And then um, getting them something. And, you know, you see that same sparkle in the eyes, only it doesn't just last on Christmas morning. It's a, a long time running up to Christmas. You see the sparkle in my eyes just thinking about it? <laughs> <laughs> so we decided, years, let me tell you what we did years ago, a lot of years ago, we were so we tried so hard to to, to help kids to sh- make this little mental shift from the joy of getting to the joy of giving, and and we were trying on Christmas morning to say, okay, let's let's think about giving, you know, and they're all just so excited to see what Santa brought. And oh so yeah, on. well we didn't and never we, did that on well, Christmas morning. Well, that's what I'm saying is we finally decided, hey, we've got to just divide the two. Let's make Christmas Eve all about giving nothing but giving let's have each kid get a gift for each other kid and let's just focus on the giver and each one has a turn to go around and give his gifts and let's talk about nothing but the giver like wow how did you know that's what he wanted how did you choose that you are so thoughtful how did you even know that that was what i wanted so much and so on and like you say it really it turned Christmas Eve into a magical, magical time. When, I mean, the, the point of separating them is then once that's 
done and you've had this wonderful giving orientation with all the kids, then you just turn it off and Christmas morning can just be all about what did Santa bring and so on. And the same division applied, right, for making Christmas Eve the time to focus everything on, on Christ, on the Savior, on Jesus, and then let Christmas just come with Santa Claus. Absolutely. And I, I do have to say, though, that um, it's just a combination of both. Of course, you don't want to ruin the magic of kids being able to write their list and be excited about what they what they want for Christmas. But uh, we we learned a lot from that. First of all, do you realize that we actually did that? We had nine kids giving gifts to each other. That That is way too much. I mean, it was like measuring spoons and stuff like that. But Spatulas. I remember one year you got seven spatulas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you had one for every purpose. Well, and... Because that's where we went shopping, right? I mean, it was, they just could find they whatever just, they the could They just at the dollar store. At the dollar store. Wow, that, those are the greatest inventions, and they didn't have it when we first started. But wow, it's awesome. And um, so that's so. 81 gifts because each kid wants more than that because there were 11 of us all together. So they were giving 10 each. So that was a hundred different <laughs> gifts. And we would sit in this little addition to our house where we had a smaller Christmas tree. We even wanted to separate the space. We didn't want the giving time on Christmas Eve to be in the same space that the getting time on Christmas oh, we morning was going to be. a little bit crazy, be. yeah. And so they're in this little sort of a greenhouse addition onto our house, just crammed in there, all 11 of us, and each one taking their turn to go around and give their 10 gifts, and all the focus being on them, and a hug for every single one. So 100 hugs, 100 Honestly, gifts. that was crazy. And I, I, we have to say that didn't last very long because kids started leaving. You know, they, we only had everybody home for two or three years, and then... And then kids were leaving for college. Well, but they were doing so before on. they were all there. So I'll bet all together. Oh my gosh! I bet we did that for you know fifteen years. Such a choice memory in our minds, isn't it? It's it really amazing. is. Um, it really is so interesting, though, to see how they formulate in their minds that giving is just as fun as getting, and. That sparkle in the eye thing is really true. I, I don't think they're ever. In fact, one year, remember, we we decided it was just it was just so confusing to try and take all the kids shopping and all that stuff and try and pick their gifts and stuff and secretly without the others knowing. So one year we decided, no, you're, this year we're just going to make gifts for each other. We're going to make. And that got even more wild. And then that <laughs> each of them trying to make. Ten different gifts. Well, but they just made little <laughs> simple things like I'll never forget the sparkle in both of the eyes when one of the kids made a little car out of cardboard for one of the three-year-olds. And honestly, it was the prize possession. I mean, they worked really hard on it. And um, I don't. We should have taken a picture of that because I don't remember you know, exactly what it was like. You think about it, Linda. The parent. The parents have so much control over this because if you're a parent who's saying well what do you want well what do you what are you asking santa claus well let's see your list and and if the questions we're asking kids or the conversations we're starting with them are about what you're going to get then that just fuels the fire obviously and they're they're all about what they're getting but when parents really focus on what you're giving well what are you going to get so and so well have you thought about 
what you might give to so-and-so, and then, and then when the time comes, when all the accolade and the acknowledgement and the appreciation is, all the focus is on the child who's giving, and really not very much at all on, on what someone's getting. It just, it, there is some little transition that happens, and they, even at a young age, they just feel, they, there is a rush when you give something and someone appreciates it and thanks you and hugs you, and that can become the whole focus on Christmas Eve, if you want to make that shift. You know, interestingly now, our kids are all grown up, and and most of them have families of their own, and it's pretty interesting how that has played out in their lives. Um, and I, it just occurred to me, we just, last Sunday, we have a daughter who did a Children for Children concert, and we've talked about this in previous years, but um, it, it's all about giving she, uh, this child has become obsessed with the needs for refugees, and boy, thank goodness, some of us are because it is so such a huge need. And uh, she has got such a fun thing going with her kids. Um, they prepared. We've been doing this since our kids were little, but they prepared a concert with the neighborhood kids, and then invited all the parents, and then the parents contributed to this wonderful refugee camp in Greece, and. Um, it's she Sadie is our daughter that's doing this, and she has a friend in Greece who actually um, what has been going there with her three girls and her husband in the summers in this refugee camp. And the stories are so amazing. In fact, they just published a book. Our actually our publisher Familias has just published a book called "Let Me Tell You My Story," and it's the story of all these refugees. Well, this family has has become so involved in trying to raise money for these people who have absolutely nothing. And uh, their stories are so heart-wrenching that they had this concert at their house last Sunday. And wow, are they even are they ever raising money? They're on a, a website called Go, Go Give, and then parents came, and then people matched, and it was Well, they, the bottom wonderful. line is they raised $6,000, and... and uh... We're going to ma- help them match that, and they're going to send it off to these refugees. But let's jump back a little and, and talk about that idea, because it's a whole other way of getting kids focused on giving. Well, I'm and, just saying that that, has, yeah. that is what has become right. all these kids thinking about how important well, this, giving is. Right, and this children for children idea, you know, all of our kids do it, and it's spreading. In fact, one of our granddaughters is now preparing little kits that she'll send to other families who want to do a children for children concept. But but the concept is so wonderful. It's like, okay, the kids in a neighborhood are going to put on a little concert. They're all going to share their talent. Each one's going to play the violin or do their gymnastics or say a poem or whatever. And the parents come and pay to come to be the audience and give donations and the money then belongs to the children who put on the concert. They've raised it. They've used their talents to earn that money. And then they're going to send it to refugees or send it to a humanitarian cause and so on. And it is amazing how excited kids get about that. Like, it's our money. We raised it. And we're sending it to this cause or to this charity or yeah. These refugees, it's amazing. In fact, uh, their four children actually gave up their Christmas money money from us to the refugees. They were so cute at the end. They were so excited to be able to give that. So, I mean, this is kind of 
out of the ordinary. But we'd love it to be ordinary, but it really is amazing how that has kind of evolved over the years and so fun to see the sparkle in those kids' eyes. So I guess what we're suggesting is as parents or grandparents, we really need to put some thought into how to shift the joy and the, uh, the, uh, the, the what you give, the recognition, shift it from the getting to the giving. And, and two of the best ways we've ever found are separate them so that the kids are giving their gifts on Christmas Eve, not on Christmas morning, so the whole focus is on the giver. And secondly, having some kind of a concert or doing something where kids are giving what they have somehow earned and really belongs to them or something that has been theirs, a toy or whatever, to a homeless shelter or to an orphanage or to children in need or whatever so that they get this joy of giving. Right, and I do have to say that uh, Sadie and her family have been doing this with another family that have been working together. And those kids, from ages 10 to 16, they have worked so hard to make this work. It really has been an inspiration. But... There's so many things, as you just said, honey, that there's so many things that you can do if you just get your mind on what can I do to really help those in need of But the bottom line is it starts with you. It starts with the parents. If your focus and your mentality and sort of your orientation is toward giving, and if you talk about that and you bring kids in on it and get them involved in the giving, there, some of us make the assumption that all a little kid can think about on Christmas is getting, and that's just not true. In fact, in some ways, the kids are better at feeling the joy of giving yeah, than, than the grown-ups. They are. All right, well, we're going to uh, convert this to a little different subject in the second half, so hang on, and we'll be back in we'll just We'll be a right back after this brief message. Stay with us. Welcome back to Ayers on the Road. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. And we're back on Ayers on the Road. We're talking about Christmas, just what everyone's thinking about right now, this run-up to the season. And, and when we woke up this morning, we looked at each other and said, let's talk about Christmas. And what came to Linda's mind was the giving sort of orientation that we talked about in the first half. What came to my mind, and I realized why, I'm thinking a lot about the connection between the Christmas season and the new year and how how wonderful it is that we have this period of reflection and celebrating and being together with those we love most. And how great is it that that leads right in one week later to New Year's Day and to this brand new year that we can make these resolutions and and do what we want to change our lives for the better. And resolutions have become almost a joke in some cases. You hear so many people saying, oh, no one keeps their resolutions, and they're all about losing weight, and they're this and that, and, and after a, a week or so, we forget about them and so on. But it doesn't have to be that way. The new year is an, an amazing time. It's, you turn over the calendar, you start saying 2019, you know, and and what are you going to do to change things just a little bit? And I just think it's so great, Linda, that, you know, the time you can think about that is also the Christmas time. So we're thinking about Christ and we're thinking about priorities and we're really thinking about what ought to change within our lives to make our lives better and to make the lives of those we love a little better. 
And let me just throw out three, three quotes that we love and, and then have you comment on them, honey. So, so one is, and you've all probably heard these before, but it's interesting to piece them together. One is by President David O. McKay, a wonderful leader of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, who said, no other success can compensate for failure in the home. And then another prophet said, uh, Harold B. Lee, a man named Harold B. Lee said, the most important work you'll ever do will be within the walls of your own home. And then C.S. Lewis, sort of our favorite writer and beloved by so many of you who are listening, the, the writer of the Chronicles of Narnia and a host of other wonderful books, maybe the best of which is a mere Christianity, but everyone would have their own opinion. He said it this way, the homemaker is the ultimate career. All other careers exist for one purpose only, and that is to support this ultimate career. What do you think of those three quotes and how do they all tie together and, and what bearing do they have on priorities for the new year? Well, first of all, I hope that we're not putting people on a guilt trip because you do have to live and so on. But I just, actually, I, I was just doing some yoga before we started this show and the quote for the day was, sometimes we are so, I'm just paraphrasing, sometimes we are so involved with making a living that we forget to live. And, and I think that goes right along with um, all those quotes that you just that you just said. In fact, um, we had the funniest experience. Yesterday we met some friends who, we started talking about C.S. Lewis, and if you know us pretty well, you know that we are absolutely crazy about this man and the things that he wrote and thought and so on. And um, so were they, and they were excited, and, and this uh, mom said, you know, my daughter came home from school one day, and their name, their last name happens to be Lewis. And uh, their little daughter came home and said, in school, we're reading something that you wrote, Mom. It's your book. And it's The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. You wrote it. <laughs> and she was so excited because there was a C and an S in their names as well, but they'd never even thought of that. And so, um, but anyway, that's just an aside. It really is important, though, to realize that this is the time of year, whether you're thinking Christmas, and we're just a few weeks away from the new year, very few, um, it is so important to think about where your priorities really are. And I think that's well, what they're all, all three of those quotes. I, I can't help in my mind, Linda, tie the new year and the whole idea of new year's resolutions to priorities. I think, I think it's a reassessment time. It's, it's a time to say, what have I emphasized too much in this past year in my own mind or in the, the way I spend my time or the way I spend my mental energy and what have I emphasized too little? And I think almost everyone, it's almost universal that when you think about that, what comes to mind is I, have, I need to reorient and give more time to the things that matter most. And what matters most, public opinion polls <clears throat> say this every year when people are asked, what's the most important thing to you? They'll always say family. But are we living our lives in harmony with what our priorities are and are we spending our time and our mental energy in direct proportion to what we think is most important and, and that's why i mentioned those quotes we 
you know, no one ever dies and on their deathbed says, oh, I wish I'd spent a little more time with the business. It's always longing to do more for relationships. And so I think there's a simple key to this. I think that <clears throat> as we get ready for a new year, what we have to begin to do is to set goals for our relationships. In other words, when you know, when you sit down to plan your year, or when you sit down to plan your month, or when you sit down to plan your week, or when you sit down to plan your day, the tendency is always to make a list of the things we want to do, the things we want to accomplish, the, the, the things we want to get done, things, things, things. And somehow we've got to change our minds a little. And when we first sit down, the first thought has to be, How's my family doing? What can I do to make my family happier? What can I do? What are the needs of my kids? What are the needs of my spouse? What can I do? And I, I just think it's a question of priorities. If we, if we get in a habit of thinking first of the people in our lives and second of the things, thinking first of the relationships and second of the accomplishments, just that shift in priorities begins to help us think different and have different goals and have different ways of orienting our, our, our minds every day. Yeah, it really is. Um, you are the master of that, I have to say. And no, I'm uh, actually the worst at it. I, no I, have, way. I have to force myself. My tendency is to start thinking of what I can get done and what, you know, what are the things that need to be doing? What's my list and how do I check it off? I have to actually fight to say, wait, set that list aside for a minute and let's think about people first. What, what are the needs of those I love? What are the things I could do today for other people? And then make my list. And that, that's what I'm saying is just think of the, the important one first. It's not that the things on the list aren't important. It's just that they're not as important as the people you love. Yeah. And it's interesting if you So I think you're good at it. I think you do that naturally. You walk around and your 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 thoughts are always on what people need and, and how do I help people and how do I make so and so feel more comfortable or whatever. That's just your natural tendency. Mine is to start checking off my list. Yeah, but you you're so good at writing things down that need to be done, and I am more intuitive and try and think of, and I do try to think every morning um, of people who need me, uh, who need my help, or who may be benefited by something I could say or do for them. And it's amazing when you start your mind thinking names and faces kind of pop into your mind of, of things that need to be done that day. It's, it's really a matter of focusing your mind on um, who needs help. And it really is quite phenomenal how fast that comes to your mind. Well, and since this is a parenting show primarily, we should say that the simple, if you want a method for, for doing what we're talking about now, the best one we've ever found and the simplest one, and we mentioned it before on the show, is once a week have what we call a five-facet review about your kids. I mean, if you're, if you're a parent who would like to prioritize your children even more, and some of you say, wow, they occupy my, my, my life 24-7. How could I prioritize them more? But when we, the important thing is being proactive and thinking what do our kids need and how can I match how I'm spending my time with the things that would benefit the most 
And the best thing we've ever found in all these years of writing and thinking and speaking about it is to have this weekly five-facet review where you say, how is John, my son John, or my daughter Mary or whatever, how is John doing physically, mentally, emotionally, socially, and spiritually? Spending a minute on each of those facets. We still do it. I called one of my sons the other day. I have a pattern of calling my my grown children and asking them questions on a regular basis. And, and I was asking my son, how you know, how are you doing physically? And we had an interesting talk about his his health and so on. How are you doing mentally? And we had an interesting talk about what he's thinking lately and what he's trying to learn and so on. How are you doing, you know, socially and who are your friends and so on? And he was, at, of course, now it's a peer thing. He was asking me the same questions back and so on. But whether your kids are brand new little toddlers or whether they're older, if you want to shift your mind toward these priorities, just have some regular way, either with your spouse or with the child themselves, analyzing how are they doing in the five facets of their life. And I promise you, it'll bring things to your mind that are needs or that are, or that are problems or potential problems, and you'll be able to think about them and do them. The bottom line, I know this is oversimplified, Linda, but the, the real problem comes when we don't focus our thought enough on the needs of those we love. Yeah, that's really true. And um, it's not oversimplifying, it's simplifying. <laughs> it kind of simplifies your life. And uh, I agree that those are the things you need to do. Everybody will have their own way of doing that. But, you know, one of our my priorities for every new year is to be a little more aware of what people need around me. And um, that not only is at Christmas time, but following through for the rest of the year. Um, it's just a fascinating thing to realize that you can make a difference in, in someone's life if you really focus on it. And sometimes you can't make a difference. I mean, I just was with a friend last week whose, whose daughter has a mental illness and she's really, really struggling with how in the world she's going to get through this. Um, she has children and she's helping with the care of those children. And so many of you are suffering with things like that or dealing with things like that. Uh, that are so much more difficult than any of us have dealt with. And so, you know, we're not giving a prescription for everybody. Everybody has to do it in their own way. Last night, we had a little concert at our home, and some old friends bought, brought their daughter, who's 40 years old, who's that has never spoken a word, I don't think, who was rocking back and forth to the music because she enjoyed the music, but um, extremely mentally... Um, disabled and so I just thought wow you know there are hard things and there are really really hard things and we know there are a lot of hard things going on out there so we're wrapping up another half an hour has gone by on ours on the road and, and this is not a light-hearted little show on Christmas today this is a tough one because we're we're really challenging you to do two things number one Find a way to get your kids to focus more on giving than on getting. And two, begin thinking about your new year and how you can focus your attention more on the relationships and those you love in your life and less on the things in your life. It's a tough one, but think a little about it and we'll see you next time when we reconvene 
on Ayers on the Road. Good luck and bye-bye.